This is The Matt Report, the voice of WordPress entrepreneurship. If you're running a WordPress freelance business selling themes, plugins, or client services, this is the place for you. Learn more at mattreport.com and subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe. And now, on to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Matt Report the podcast, talking all about WordPress entrepreneurship. As you already know, if you haven't been watching, where the heck have you been? It's the number one WordPress podcast uh, on the web. And hey, if you love the show, we love a five-star review. You don't even have to leave a review. If you don't want to type anything out, that's okay. You don't want to say any nice words about our executive producer, Lisa, and how much hard work she puts into this. And if it weren't for her, the show wouldn't go on. Uh, you don't have to say things like that. You're just going to hover over the, five, uh, the fifth star in the row click accept, uh, leave us a five-star review. And we're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and the best way to stay connected, powerport.com slash subscribe. Uh, and this show is brought to you by Conductor Plugin, the developer's tool for building layouts on WordPress easily, quickly, efficiently. You'll love it. Your customers will love it. Check it out, conductorplugin.com. Whew, if there was a senior vice president in entrepreneurship, he's joining us today. That's Dan Norris, co-founder of WP Curve. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks. I, I feel guilty. I'm sort of like thinking I should go off and leave a review right now while we're recording. <laughs> yes, that's that's. I, li I like to use Lisa as the guilt opportunity. You know, she works so damn hard, and you know, I think everybody loves her more than they love me, right? Lisa's. No one can see Lisa right now, but I can, and she's sort of running away from the laptop. Anyway, Dan, welcome to the program. This is your second time coming back. You initially came onto the show in the Matt Report Startup Challenge, and you won the challenge. Uh, and to no surprise, WP Curve has done a tremendous, uh, tremendous job uh, with, run, with, with that business. Tell us what that's been like for the last year, year and a half. Yeah, well, I think you must have caused a lot of it. You're, you're very famous because I, I, I went to WordCamp on the weekend and I was sitting behind a guy and he's like, oh, you're Dan. I heard you on the Matt Report. <laughs> and it was, it was Jordan and he said that he was on the second one oh, yeah. and he won that as well. So. Yeah, Jordan's a good guy. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think he's actually joining um, a, an accelerator program out in wherever he is, Australia, New Zealand. Fuck. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, back to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, since then, I can't remember where we were then. I think we'd already sort of started and we'd already had a bunch of sign-ups and we sort of had a, a bit of momentum going. Um, it's really just been more of the same. I think we've 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 gone up to 550 customers and about 41 grand a month and... Our site's gone nuts. Um, I put out a book. I've started other businesses. It's just crazy. Yeah, so it's it's a tremendous. Uh, you've had some tr tremendous success. Um, hold on. Now, as I do this live, because uh, <laughs> I'm you know I'm a pro with this stuff. What I want to do is I just get my notes in front of me. I just want to fire off some quick questions. It's almost like the old uh, lightning round, but we're gonna get it in early. And I just want you to give me the quick two minute. Elevator pitch of what this stuff is, because you run so many businesses. Okay, ready? Okay. WP Curve. All right, unlimited WordPress support and small jobs for $69 a month, operating 24-7. Black Hops Beer. Uh, Australian craft beer. We've got an eggnog stout coming out on uh, our launch on the 2nd of November in Brisbane. So if you're in Brisbane, then come to Hoo Bar and enjoy a beautiful eggnog stout from Black Hops. Hello, if I... Hellofi is um, live chat meets team chat, so it's effectively something like OLARC as well as something like Slack, so that when you're responding to customers, you can also talk to your team, and your team can jump in and respond to customers as well. Seven-day startup. 
A seven-day startup's a book I wrote in a couple of weeks and spent about six months editing and formatting and eventually decided it needed more attention than just putting it on my site for free. So we put it on Amazon and it's, it turned into um, a bestseller in three different categories on Amazon and it's still number two in business and number, uh, sorry, number two in startups and number two in small business on Amazon. Informally. Informally is a startup I launched two years ago that failed pretty badly and it um, sort of motivated me to start WP Curve and motiva motivated me to write the seven-day startup book. So I just set the stage for about four different businesses. I'll call them businesses even though the book might not be considered a business but sort of is. Uh, and then the first uh, official sort of startup that you, had, that you had launched and sort of failed miserably as you put it. How the heck do you manage all of this stuff? Why are you as crazy as me <laughs> trying to do 50 million things at once? Uh, give us the, the rundown of the hows and the whys of why you're doing so much, how it's working, how you're, how you're managing your time with all this stuff. <coughs> well, I mean, it's, my day is 99% is WP Curve. Like, it's, I go into work every day and I work on WP Curve. The book is really all about how WP Curve was started. All the content, I've put out probably 50 posts of content around the book and it all goes up on the WP Curve blog. Um, the book site itself is on the WP Curve domain, so I see that as all being part of WP Curve. The other stuff is um, the beer is just purely fun because me and my mates are into craft beer. Um, it is a business because you, it needs to be a business to be able to sell beer in pubs, um, but it's it's not a, a business that's going to make me a lot of money or anything I can really work on other than on the weekends or whatever, just for fun. Um, and Helloify is just a I, I share an office with Luke who had this live chat software and he's a developer with no marketing expertise and um, it just seemed like an interesting opportunity and it's it's a it's a that sort of messaging thing is is a nice space to be in at the moment it's an, an interesting to me because we use it in our business like we use Olark and Slack all day every day um, and I'd sort of been thinking about building something for WP Curve and then this came along and it sort of made sense to me to get involved in that and hopefully we'll start using it at WP Curve and, and use it to sort of give a better service to our customers um, but yeah m most of my WP Curve is, is the business that makes the money and, and that I love spending the time on, so that's sort of where pretty much all my time goes. You had the great lesson of failure because I think that we all, and I, I think you even stated this in your book, I, I, I believe that the failure stuff is what we really learn from, right? We can read blogs all day, but it's not until we actually get into this, into the mix of things and into the, into the pain points do we really learn what we're capable of, what our team's capable of, what we really can do uh, in the entrepreneurial space. What, how do you look at businesses now? Like if you were starting up a business today, um, like you very much are, but like the experience you have with WP Curve and with Informally, do you look at starting a business in a whole different light now? And what is that? Like is it, is it the same like passion-driven thing or is it more analytical? Are you talking to people before you launch? Why do you launch now in your, in your eyes? Well, that's a that's a pretty hard question to answer. I, I do talk about all of those things in the book to varying degrees. Um, in terms of passion, I've never been passionate about one particular business. I'm always just passionate about the process of creating business and helping people and content, creating content and creating a community. That's the stuff that I'm passionate about. If I mean, I could be running a WordPress hosting business, or it wouldn't wouldn't make any difference to me. Um, so I think I think if you I think that's the best way to do it if you can figure out a way to be passionate about business and then your job is to make sure that whatever you do every day is fun and all of my businesses, I mean, it, it might not be everyone's idea of fun to sit at a desk and 
type blog posts and support customers, but that is actually fun to me. So um, I think if you can start something that's going to be fun day to day, and then if you're a first-time entrepreneur, if you can start it very quickly, and even if you're not, I mean, I'm trying to get this HelloFi thing launched much, much, much quicker than I would have otherwise. If it was yeah. my first business, I would have tried to launch it within a week or I probably wouldn't have launched that business because it would be impossible to launch that kind of business within a week. It would be very difficult. Um, but, if, yeah, yeah, definitely first-time entrepreneur, I'd be trying to launch as quick as possible and just get out of that entrepreneurship type phase where you're just hanging out, talking to people about ideas, going on about how good it is and getting all this positive reinforcement from people who probably never pay you any money. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, launching quickly and um, learning, learning after you launch is, is probably the... The, the main message in the book. Yeah, the one of the things when we when my agency started probably about five years ago, six years ago now. One of the things we did is we weren't we didn't start out to be a WordPress shop. We didn't know what the definition of a WordPress shop was, you know, in the sense of the community today. And one of the things we did was we built our own CMS. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it was a very uh, you know it was a very it's still a great product. It's one of those things that you start, you're like, you know what, WordPress doesn't really do it. We see a fit over here. Let's throw the kitchen sink at this solution. And then we were just iterating and iterating and not launching. And uh, to give us some credit, we built it for about six to eight months. And then we and we did like a, a closed group uh, with the local university. And it was just too many options. And people still didn't understand. They still felt like they could get a better solution elsewhere. We cut everything in half, and we started, and we relaunched the whole. I mean, we re reinvest. We invested in that for about a whole year, um, and the biggest failure point was not launching fast enough. And that was it. Just not launching fast enough on the most simplistic idea of the platform, and just getting it out there. Uh, you know, when you're looking at even helping Helloify, and even when you launched WP Curve, I mean, your first step was I'm going to put a live chat. Somebody has a problem, they're just going to IM me. <laughs> it's going to go right to my phone. And there's the basis, yeah. the basic layer or foundation of WP Curve. Um, what was that like? And when did you say enough is enough of this sort of manual process? And when did you get to that next, that next level? Or how did you get to that next level? Well, we sort of just grew organically, which I, I sort of knew we would once we got that momentum. Like I wasn't planning on being on my mobile phone every night. I go to sleep for the rest of my life, but <laughs> why not? It's okay to do it. Yeah, well, my wife wouldn't be very happy about it. I'll, I'll be okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like working. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean, I just kind of knew we'd grow out of that eventually. Um, I'm not exactly sure how long it took. Alex came on board a couple of months after we launched, um, and he took over the US side. So that was my nighttime taken care of, and um, eventually, you know, we. We started bringing people on. I think we're up to 22 or 23 people around the world now, like de mainly developers, but also uh, virtual assistants and people who manage customers and manage the team. So just gradually, as we grew, we kind of knew when to hire because our business is really predictable and mostly recurring. We we can make those decisions before we need to. You know, like with my old agency, I would need to have a lot of money in the bank to hire someone new because I knew that. I would have a massive outlay the next month, but I had no idea how much money I was going to make. Whereas right. with this business, the curve's just going up like that very, very, very steadily. It's been almost exactly the same growth for the last 14, 15 months. And when when we want to hire, we hire. And if it's too soon, it doesn't really matter. We just wait a couple of weeks and the revenue kind of catches up to the costs. Yeah. I think most, and 
you, I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most people starting something up, I think they'll hear advice from folks like you and I and say, you know, minimal viable product, start small, start quick, and they hear it, and I, I'm pretty sure they understand it, but I think what they're afraid of is they start thinking, you know, one month, six months, one year down the line from that, and they're afraid, they're looking at it like, well, I can't just do this little minimal thing. I I re what happens when I have a thousand customers? What happens when I need to have, you know, uh, an accountant and a sales team? And they start thinking about all these things. And I think that's the hardest part, at least from what, when I talk to people about starting small, is they're already trying to think 15 steps ahead. And like, what happens when I get to this? Well, no, you have to kind of live in it for a little bit <laughs> so you can understand what's going on before you think that you're going to be serving 3,000 customers around the world, or if not more. Um, I think yeah. that's where people struggle. Do you kind of agree with that? Um, I don't know if I agree with that, but but I do agree that the kind of fixed problems as they arrive is very much my philosophy. And, right. Um, yeah. th there's no. I mean, we we had we've changed our name, changed our support desk, um, changed, you know, built built a team. We've done all of this stuff. We've actually changed our we've changed the support desk at least twice. Um, and. I mean, we put up a whole new website, whole new brand. This stuff happens quite easily. Like when you've got a team and you've got revenue, like it's not that hard to get this sort of stuff done. Like if we have to change our help desk, then we change our help desk. Um, if, you know, if it works for 500 people but it doesn't work for 5,000, then I'll probably be able to predict that, but I won't try and solve it now. I will just work out at what point it becomes an issue that needs to be solved, maybe around 3,000 customers, and then we plan to we put it on a Trello board that sits there deal with this when we hit 3,000 customers. Um, and that's one of the philosophies I think is important for new entrepreneurs because they, they do get carried away and they sort of think, you know, when we get to this size, we need this problems as yeah. they arrive, arise because they, they won't manifest the way you expect they will. Right. Um, but, but in terms of whether or not that's why people don't launch quickly, I don't know if I agree. I think it's probably more to do with... For me, it was probably just more the fear of like, what happens if I launch and no one wants it? Mm. Like, maybe I, like, subconsciously knew that would happen, mm. but I just didn't want to minimize that chance by making sure the product was really good when it did launch, right. which effectively screwed everything up because by the time that happened, it was too late. Yeah. So, I don't know. I can only really speak for myself, but I, th I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I believe, I believe that as well. Um, I think that is very true. I think a lot of folks... Might be either they're, they're, they've got that fear that nobody wants it, and then when they and then when they launch it, and again, this is from my own experience, just talking to a lot of WordPress developers and WordPress product people, is they're the second part is they're kind of afraid to sell it, right? They're afraid to sell it and promote it, uh, which is that might be true, but I mean, some people aren't very good at selling either, and don't want to do it, and I'm one of those people. So I think you can structure a business where you don't have to be the person going out door knocking. And you can market a business in a way that isn't, you know, phoning people up and doing cold calls. Mm. Um, it just takes but, a fine place and find find a way to do that. But you but you have some salesmanship in your content marketing for sure. Um, I mean, I'm not saying you're you're I'm not I, saying the content you're writing is gaming people to sell, but I'm saying that you're that you're sort of writing it in a light that reflects on you and as the founder of this company. And oh, by the way, you can service with us as well. Yeah, I feel perfectly comfortable doing that because I know I'm giving away valuable stuff for free. Like, right. like when I put a book out and everyone else charges $10 and I make it free, 
I, I, I feel quite fine putting a link in there saying that you should check out WP Curve if you if you want WordPress support. Um, and that's my the way I I guess the way I market businesses. You can, I suppose you could call it selling, but I think a lot of people think you know you need to be that hustler that goes out and kind of cold calls people. And um, if that was true, then I wouldn't be an entrepreneur, and a whole bunch of other people wouldn't be an entrepreneur either. So I think you really need to find what works for you and and kind of double down on that. Yeah. So it's it's fair to say that content marketing has been a tremendous uh, revenue stream for you or a, a vehicle to revenue? Well, it's very hard to say because like our, I see our content marketing as being like a brand building type exercise and really everything we do is brand building. Every time we get press, it's building our brand, it's getting our name out there. Every time I do an interview like this, it's getting our name out there. Every time I present at a conference, um, every time I write a blog post, it's all kind of the same thing. Like we don't have a direct lead generation thing happen where like I go on the Matt report and all of a sudden I get five signups. That very rarely happens. Um, but I think because of the amount of traffic on our site and the amount of conversions, the email lists we've built um, and all the backlinks and the press and like our site's ranking really well for big keywords now, all of that kind of stuff is caused by content marketing. But it's a sort of an indirect relationship between that and sure. getting signups for the business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the uh, backlinks, and these are probably even the smaller ones that you probably see, but uh, I think you were linked up in SEO Moz. That was a tremendous mention, um, the blog. Uh, I think you, you get probably good traffic from uh, lead pages. Uh, those guys do a, a tremendous job. I think I've seen them mention you guys a few times. Uh, okay, I, believe, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I believe... Uh, check your Google Analytics. Look for that. <laughs> if not, you yeah, can they're not right. one of the top referrers. I look at the top referrers. Um, we, we get a lot of our traffic is actually organic, and a lot of it comes from content that we've written that people search for on Google. We get a heap of traffic from Google, um, but in terms of referrers, I think our two biggest ones are, as far as I remember, as far as individuals, are John Dumas and Chris Ducker. Last time oh, yeah. I checked, yeah, um, and they're they're just people who are customers who like the service and. Um, I think they're affiliates as well, and yeah, we get like we get that kind of thing. And then when we do an interview, like when I do this, I'll get some traffic from this. And I did the uh, smart passive income, and I'm sure I'll get a bunch of traffic from that. But it's never really like ongoing traffic. Um, but when we get all the backlinks, we get ongoing traffic from the rankings that our content gets in Google. So like we've got AdWords guides and podcast guides and WordPress, an article on WordPress speed. We've got like all, we've got 15 different guides and books and all kinds of stuff on our site that now ranks really high in Google because we're getting a whole bunch of other backlinks for all you know all this other stuff we do. So it's I don't know I don't even know if you can measure it, but I don't measure it. I just kind of I, I know intuitively that it's working and I just keep doing it. Yeah. Have you brought anybody else on the, from the team on to help you do the the content marketing stuff, or are you still just heading it up yourself? I've actually got a meeting in 25 minutes with a new uh, intern that we've employed, and he's going to be full time looking after content marketing. So, awesome. wish me luck. Congrat, yeah, well, congratulations. Uh, are you going to? Is that going to take some uh, of the responsibility off your plate, and you're going to move on to other things, or? Um, I'm not really sure. I think well, one thing he's going to do is do the podcast for us. I think, which is going to be interesting because me and Alex have sort of dropped the ball on it. It's hard for us to organise, and it's not something we had a huge amount of traction with. I get a lot more traction with my written stuff and I'm, and I'm much better and faster at producing it. So I'd prefer to do that. Um, so it'll be an interesting exercise of whether or not you can delegate a podcast. He's going to host the podcast and organize it and do everything. So that'll be an interesting exercise and see if we can create something that 
that people like that isn't just me or Alex. Yeah. Are you, is it is the idea aside from the automation? Well, not I don't want to say automation, but aside from delegating it to somebody else, are you looking to to not have your name so closely attached to the brand? Um, no, me personally, I, I haven't been looking for that. Um, but I don't really want to do the podcast, and I kind of realise that. So as a result, we haven't been doing it, and we're kind of, we've kind of lost that channel of marketing. So sure. he's really good at it. He loves doing it, and um, it seemed like a good fit. He'll probably look after other content as well. But I think if we can kick the podcast off again and give that the attention it deserves, then then that's a cool way for him, him to spend his time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's that's good. I'm, I I hope he does a good job, or I hope he yeah, I hope he gets hired first. Uh, oh, he's already hired. So. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, he just. So so you're cranking out content, producing content um, like a boss. What's your what's what's the what's the day look like for you? You sit down on a Monday. Well, it's not Monday. It's not Monday for you, but you sit down on a Monday. You get ready to go to work. Um, how do you get cranking on your content? Like, how do you set yourself up mentally? Uh, Technology-wise, what's what's that look like? Well, I just I just flew from Gold Coast to Singapore, and I wrote 12,000 words during the flight for content I can either use on the blog or I can use in my upcoming book. Um, so I don't. Um, How long is that flight? I'm not, six. Uh, it's about six and a half hours of work time. It's about a nine-hour flight. Um, but but I don't I'm not organized I can't have a calendar like I can't like wake up at six o'clock and then go do an hour of content and then go take the kids to school or whatever I I just don't work like that um so I just do it when it hits me and um I've always got ideas I've got a Trello board with hundreds of ideas so whenever I get time I that's my fallback task I get all the other stuff done and then if I've got any time I start creating content um and I yeah so and it's normally in the afternoon but Sometimes it's late at night after a few drinks. Sometimes it's flying between cities. Could be, could be anything. Yeah, that sounds exactly like my day. It's amazing. <laughs> I just, just got a, a wonder list full of blog topics that I just unfortunately never get to, but um, I will be eventually. <laughs> I will be eventually. Well, you must, you've, you've got obviously great help there from Lisa, and you must be more organized than me if you can organize your yes. podcast because it's, it's, not, it's not from all around the world. No. No, and this is why I need such a strict person on my team like Lisa. Have I mentioned that? No. <laughs> uh, what is your? So you have a business partner, and I see you more in the light than I see your business partner. What the heck does he do every day? Do you know? You'll have to ask him. Okay. <laughs> every time I try to talk to him, he says, no, you should really talk to Dan. I'm like, why, why would I have to talk to Dan? I want to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, he manages the U... <coughs> Sorry. He manages the U.S. side, so like when our jobs are getting done on that side of the world, he manages the team there. But we've got Julie, who um, who's our admin, like executive assistant person, who's, who manages most of that, I think now. Um, I think he's he's working on relationship relationship stuff and building partnerships and things. I, I'm not ex exactly sure what his day is made up of. I, honestly, you would have to ask him. Yeah. Well, hey, it's that's yeah, it's like that with you high fluting startups. You have no idea what the other one's doing. You guys, you guys are you're building your offices around the world, flying around in your fancy jets. It's not fair. It's just not fair. Uh, speak, scoot, scoot economy class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned a lot of, a uh, few internet marketers there, folks that I've talked to in the past on the show. Uh, 
one interesting thing that's been coming up, just returning from a conference called PrestigeConf, sort of the uh, feeling in the air is, you know, we don't, we don't need WordPress all the time. We don't need to follow it like a religious sort of thing. Uh, tell me about your experience with WordPress. Do you, do you spend a lot of time, like, following the WordPress news and, and sort of digging into the real inside baseball of WordPress, or are you out sort of looking at other areas of opportunity? Yeah, I don't really. I mean, we don't we don't cover WordPress topics really at all on our site. Um, we've I've done a couple of posts around, like one about WordPress speed and a couple of with you know plugins and things like that. But most of our content isn't to do with WordPress. Um, I attended WordCamp and presented in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, so that was the first WordCamp I've been to, and that was cool. Um, it was actually really interesting. What like what some of the stuff is happening, especially some of like the bigger companies. There's a guy from News Corp who's moving a lot of their stuff over to WordPress, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly good at following what's happening in WordPress. As I said, like I love WordPress and we use it and all of our customers use it and we, we work on it all day, every day. But at the same time, like our, like my passion is content marketing and entrepreneurship and starting businesses and helping other entrepreneurs. And that's, that's kind of my focus. It's not, it's not necessarily WordPress. Yeah, no, it's. I think that's. I think that's smart. I think that's what a lot of uh, young WordPress businesses are sort of realizing. Um, I think they all, and I say they all. I'm just sort of generalizing this, and I'm, I'm saying this because a lot of them are founders that have been on the show or that I've talked to, and they're just really into WordPress uh, because of be, just because of all the stuff we can do with it, um, and then they sort of forget that the end customer doesn't really care. I mean, the majority of them probably don't care. They just want to use it as their tool to publish or to run their e-commerce site or to run their marketing site. Uh, they're not so much into the depths of this stuff like we are, so there's no real need to focus on that as much. No, I, I, I um, a couple of years ago I had a, an agency and I was trying to merge with another agency and their idea was to be like the number one WordPress agency. Um, and I was like, I don't care what platform we use. I'll use WordPress for blogs and small sites. I'll use Magento for e-commerce and Joomla for community sites. This was quite a few years ago. I'd use WordPress for all of those things now. But um, back then it was like, like they were like, oh, we're WordPress, 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 WordPress. But um, like in, in our business with WP Curve, our customers care about WordPress because they use WordPress. Like it's a, it's a WordPress support company. They've already got WordPress. So they care about supporting WordPress. Whereas if you're a new business and you want a new website, you probably don't know or care what platform you're going to run that website on. You're going to ask your mates, see what they use. You're going to ask the agency. You're not going to get into Google and say, oh, I want to find the best WordPress agency. You're going to want to find the best developer to develop this whatever solution you need for your company. So one thing I talk about in the book is building your business based on like pain and pleasure points. And it's, not, it's nothing new, but... Um, is, is WordPress really a pain point or a pleasure point for someone who doesn't even have a website yet? I don't think so. I mean, they're, they're worried about, are they going to get ripped off? Are they <laughs> going to be able to update the site? They're, they're worried about how much it's going to cost. Um, how do they get to number one in Google? These are all the kind of things that go through the head of someone who doesn't know what a website is but knows that they should have one. Um, the last thing that they're thinking about is, is WordPress. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Uh, one other thing about the book, I noticed that it was mentioned on um, ProductHunt.com. How was that exposure, and did you have uh, exposure somewhere else that was that maybe even uh, may have been even better um, out there on the web? 
Well, we did a big post about how we're marketing the book. It's about 7,000 words. It's up on our site, um, and it goes through everything we did to from start to finish in about that three-week period. I sort of decided three weeks beforehand that I'd get this guy, Tom Mooks, to help me with the marketing, and then it just exploded out of control, and everything we did is up on that post. Product Hunt, Hunt wasn't part of it, although we updated the post afterwards to say, you should list your site on Product Hunt. But it, I think it's one of those its one of those things like Hacker News. It's just a mystery to me. I don't know how it works. Um, I've had never, ever had any of my content go viral on Hacker News, and I've seen all sorts of content go nuts on there that's very similar to the stuff I write. That uh, Some of it's not that good. Some of it is. Um, it seems random to me. I don't understand it. Um, Product Hunt seems... It seems odd to me that a book would end up on the front page of Product Hunt. I don't really know it. Like I, I use it for looking up like software apps and stuff. Um, I'm not sure what happened. I know that like on the day of the launch, I did a podcast with a guy who put it on the site, and then all of a sudden we just got smashed with traffic. So yeah, we got, I think we got about 3,000 visits to our site from Product Hunt. Yeah. And during that week, I think we got about 12 or 13,000 visits all up. So it was a pretty big chunk. Yeah, that is amazing. I I think I woke up and I, I looked at my phone and I saw it in my daily email and I was like, Dan, <laughs> like, how does he do it? How does he get everywhere, including Product Hunt for products? And he's got an ebook up there. And he's supposed to be paying people off. That's what I was thinking, but obviously not. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but I j jumped on there and answered people's questions and stuff. And um, it ranked on a couple of other sites as well, but not, none as big as Product Hunt. So yeah, yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I only had one blog post go viral. This was years ago, and it was on, well, not viral, but on Go Crazy on Hacker News, and that was about Jason Fried, um, 37 Signals. So I think back then, that's when 37 Signals was still really talked about and looked at. Um, not that they're not, but much more in the media back then. And did you post that yourself, or someone else posted it for you? Or? I had, I mean, back then, I was just putting links everywhere. <laughs> so I think it was me. I did that too, but they banned me, and I didn't know. They're, they're very oh, smart. Really? I didn't like, know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I, well, I didn't get uh, I used to automatically post all of my posts there because I, I thought that's what it was for, like for oh, posting yeah, links. So, yeah, so I used to post my links to my site, um, to my blog post, but then um, I, I spoke to someone who actually knew about Hacker News and he's like, it's, it, it's probably actually not published. And if you go in there and you click some button that turns, like hides or shows the unpublished post or something, then I could see that every single post I put in there was automatically unpublished as soon as I wow. posted it. I did not know that. Serves me right for being a spammer. Yeah, well, I mean, I, hey, look, we're, we're, we weren't really spamming. We thought we were providing value to the community. Well, yeah, I, that's what I thought the site was for, but now I don't put anything on there, and if someone else does, that's cool, but I don't think anyone has. I don't know. <laughs> uh, as we wrap up the show, because I know you're a busy man, you have to get going. Um, Let's talk about the freelancers out there. I mean, the book is obviously super helpful to them, but any any parting advice for maybe the WordPress freelancer who's like, you know what, I, I sort of want to productize my business or start a recurring revenue service. What kind of advice do you have for the WordPress folks that are out there that are trying to do this and get their stuff off the ground? Yeah, there's something useful I can send you to because the, the presentation I did at WordCamp was on a, this exact topic, and it was really well received um, because I... I, I talked about, I mean, my background is starting an agency and then turning it into a, more of a product-type business. And I, I don't really write for that audience, but I find a lot of my stuff resonates with that audience because of my background. Um, and the presentation was on how to build a WordPress business in seven days. And 
I went to the detail of what types of WordPress businesses meet my criteria for a good business and my criteria for growth. And really, like, if, if you want a product business, then you're moving to a business that has to grow, like it has to grow every month. Agency, freelancer, not so much. You can just kind of, you know, you can, you can just kind of go, it's up and down and whatever. But if you want to move to a product type business, you need to get more, more customers every month than you, you had last month. Otherwise, your business is going to fail. So most of the book, I talk about these growth factors. Um, and one of them is, you know, things like a predictable recurring revenue, decent profit margin, having a simple business model, um, those kind of things. And in, in this post, I can send you a little screenshot, but I, I'm, I break down all the different types of businesses you can start in the WordPress ecosystem and which ones get, you know, like a green star for all the growth, growth factors and which ones get a red because they're horrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, to, to summarize it, software as a service to me is ticks all the boxes other than the ability to launch quickly, which is often quite hard with software. Service as a service ticks all the boxes other than um, profit margin, which is generally better on software. Um, and then as you get further down, to me, agencies and freelance, agencies are at the end for me because I think they're very, very difficult to grow. They're local in nature. They often operate in a small market and they rely a lot on the founder and oftentimes they're not that profitable if you actually consider all the costs. Um, and then in between, it's things like info products and communities and um, they have pros and cons as well. Usually, the ability to launch quickly is good with those things, but then their churn tends to be higher, particularly with communities, and they tend to be for small niches so that they hit growth ceilings and stuff like that. But that presentation is on SlideShare, and I think that'll be useful for your audience. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll definitely check it out. I know I'm curious uh, uh, in it because we just recently launched a plugin, and I'm uh, super interested to see how long uh, it takes for me to get to uh, the certain milestones that we need to hit for sales. Um, and just giving it sort of that grace period of, I mean, I, I have to at least have this out there for 30 days before I can start judging <laughs> whether or not uh, it's being received correctly or not. Um, so I'll definitely... Yeah, plugins are really tricky. I think I'm, I haven't I haven't created a successful plugin, so I'm probably not the best person to give you advice on that. But I mean, the ones I've seen work seem to be like based around a a yearly model, um, where like pretty damn cheap, um, and you might even have a free version that's you know pretty damn good itself, and then um, you've somehow managed to get it to tens of thousands of people, and um, I don't really know how you do that because I think it's I think it's tricky, but um, there's plenty of good businesses built off plugins. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, as an agency owner, and we don't have to spend much time on this question. It sort of just happened before the show. But you're in the business. I'm, well, you are in the agency business. I'm in the agency business. Plenty of us in the agency business. Yeah, some gamesmanship to some sort of like den of thieves kind of thing that I like to call it. And some people might not like to uh, to put it in that fashion. Before I got on the call, I, I happened to uh, email a another agency. How much do you charge? Right, the guy that I lost a bid to went to that agency. So I said, well, I'm just going to find out what you get, what you charge. So I send over an email. What do you guys charge? <laughs> Just a simple, friendly question, right? <laughs> well, so, you know, hey, some people might take it differently, but whatever. Used to be some people might market as spam. Right, yeah. <laughs> some people might market as spam. How did you deal with, uh, you know, have you ever dealt with any of those questions? And when you talk to agencies, sort of at the end of the day, I, I think that we're all sort of in this, I don't want to say together, it makes it sound too cute, but 
I mean, what is it? Price to me is just like, well, I don't want to tell you my price. Well, we charge $30,000, and I'm not going to tell you that. Like, if you're hiding behind the price curtain, I think you're doing it all wrong. Uh, at the end of the day, your client's going to pick you for uh, your capabilities and your communication and a bunch of other stuff. But do you sort of agree with that? Do you think I was sort of off base by asking the other agency what they charge? No, I don't think you're ever off base asking any question. You can always ask. I right. mean, they won't answer. But right. <laughs> you know. Um, I, I was never ever good at pricing. It was part of the problem with my last business. I just the idea of charging. I mean, really, with an agency, the ones that make the money are the ones that are good at charging what the customer is prepared to pay. And to me, that whole idea just does not sit well with me. I I don't think it's I just, I just don't like it. It's like an aspect of running an agency that I just never liked. Um, and I never did it. I put all of my prices up on my site. Maybe that was a mistake. I don't know, but I just didn't. I just didn't want to make. I and I just itemized everything. I just said, okay, it was two grand for a website, and then every single plugin's like two hundred fifty bucks. And you know, the most amount of animosity I get is like, oh, it's easy to install Google Analytics. Why is it? Well, well that was cheaper. That would have been cheap, like a hundred bucks or something. Um, but then I'd just say, well, I mean, this is just how the business works. We've got everything up front. There, the prices like. You're free to go elsewhere if you want. But then again, it wasn't a good business, so like, don't listen to this advice at all. Do the opposite <laughs> of what I did. Um, <coughs> and yeah, and if you can figure out a way that to start a business where it does suit you, maybe you're like the ultimate agency guy and you, you love that kind of stuff. Um, and they're the sort of people I was up against that I was never going to beat. Um, so I, I figured out a way to start a business that really suited me. And that's something I think people should consider. Um, if your business is really built for someone else, not you, then um, it's it's really not going to work. Right. Yeah. No. It's that's that's definitely one way uh, of looking at it. Um, one final final question: Where does Dan see himself two years from now? Just exactly the same. Doing the same thing, <laughs> pumping out content for WP Curve. Not yep. being absorbed by anybody, not selling the business, not retiring onto an island. Well, you're probably already on it. Well, I already live very close to the beach. Um, I, I mean, I mean, it's it's a business that I share with someone else. So in many ways, I don't have control over that. I mean, if I had it my way, 100%, I'd just keep doing what I'm doing. I love doing it. I think the business is going great. I love doing the content. I love our customers. I love WordPress. It's it's all perfect to me. I mean, I'm not looking really for anything more. Um, but uh, yeah, as I say, it's it's not all my decision, so I don't know where we'll be in two years, to be honest. The real question is, where the hell is Alex? That's what we want to find out. <laughs> Alex is probably already on the island, and you're stuck pumping out content. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I'm just Alex. I'm just doing what I love. I assume he's doing what he loves as well, and the business is going well. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe get him on your show. I'll try. I will try. All right, Dan, it's been an awesome show. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's it's 10:15 p.m. Eastern. I now I know what it, I know what Troy Deaton feels like because he's always having to interview people at wacky times. So now I, I know what he's doing. So God bless him. Uh, tr uh, congrats on all the tremendous growth that you've had. Uh, it was an honor uh, for us to have you on the Startup Challenge and to see uh, you so successful. So I feel I feel sort of you know. Hey, this guy was here. He was he he knew us when he was small, and now he's returning. It's great. Uh, awesome. Why should get me back on as a judge if you do it again? Uh, oh yeah, fun. definitely gonna do it again. Um, 2015, uh, we will definitely be rolling them out again. <laughs> That'll be right around the corner. Uh, where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Just dan at wpcurve.com or 
I'm on Facebook, Twitter at T H E Dan Norris, the Dan Norris, and just W, which has got all the content, the book. Um, the book was free for the first week, but Amazon make me charge for it, so I made it a dollar. So if you go into Amazon and search for Seven Day Startup, you can get it for a dollar. Yeah, that's awesome. I do recommend it. I uh, I read it on the way over to Minneapolis last week. Um, good stuff. Uh, it was good to see, you know, somebody not selling the, you know, you can be rich in in a weekend kind of thing. Like hard work. Here's all the shit that I went through <laughs> to get here. Uh, you might have to go through it too, but here's my advice, and I'm only speaking from experiences, and I think you do a great job uh, with that. Uh, you're not sort of um, sugarcoating anything. Um, it's the real deal, so thanks for that. Um, thanks, for, thanks for putting out something that's uh, uh, well-received, so I appreciate that. Thanks, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Um, yeah, there's a bit of tongue-in-cheek in the title. Some people have said, oh, it's bullshit, you can't start a business in seven days. I'm like, just read the book, it's a dollar. Like, if a dollar right. is... <laughs> you're not going to succeed in business anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, it's headlining. It's part of the business, people. <laughs> like, if you're just sitting here in the middle saying how to start a business that is going to yeah. be great for you, good luck trying to you know, find that uh, you know, needle in a haystack on Amazon. So. How, to, how to file for seven years. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. I, I finally get to talk to somebody who, who, from the outside, for people just meeting you, like, oh, my God, this was so easy. Look what he did. He started a WordPress service business. And, and I can do this too. This is amazing. What you didn't see is the 10 years of failure uh, which brought, that brought you to this point. Uh, the 10-year overnight success, as I like to, as I like to call it. Yep. All right, Dan. Amazing talk. I appreciate it. Everybody else, mariport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. And if you want to help your, your WordPress business get a little bit better, join us over in the pro forum. Learn more about that. mariport.com slash join. Thanks, everybody.